Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Welcome back to Set for Life Radio. We're continuing through the book of 2 Samuel as David is ever so closer on his way to the throne to rule in Israel. So now here we are in 2 Samuel chapter 2. And if, So what we had seen in the previous chapter was David lamented for the loss of Saul and Jonathan, his friends. He lost them. It's very hard when you lose a friend. He was very grieved by that, and he wrote a lamenting song. But with the Lord, there's always an after this. And I said that in the last episode, that with the Lord, there's always after this. When you go through trial, tribulation, difficulty, there's always after this with the Lord God. Aren't you glad of that? So let's see what it says. And when it says what happened after this, after the the period of difficulty, in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1. It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So David went up there, and his two wives also, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. And David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household, so they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. And so after a time of lamenting, it was time to get back to work. So David, he inquired of the Lord what to do next. Now, that's a very important thing that we should all learn from him, is that whenever we go through trial, difficulty, hard times, problems, great loss, don't just charge off and just run off and do things. We're going to see Abner do that today. He's just going to be knee-jerk man, knee-jerk reaction, dude. David is more calculated than that. He's being very careful. He inquired of the Lord on what to do next, because now it's time to move forward. And so David moved to Hebron, because the Lord told him to go to Hebron. Now, I want you to remember old Achish. You remember Achish, the Philistine king that thought that David was going to be his servant forever? David's move here to Hebron at this point was going to send a clear signal to Achish that David was not owned by Achish. David was not his little puppet. David is alienating himself again from the Philistines. I think old Achish realized he'd been had because now David is moving to Hebron. He's moving closer to becoming king, even over the land that Achish thought was his. So 2 Samuel 2 and 4. Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. Okay, back in 1 Samuel 31, it tells us that when the men of Jabesh-Gilead heard that Saul had been killed by the Philistines, he had been decapitated, also his sons uh, were decapitated with him, and the Philistines hung their bodies on the wall of the city. The bravest men, the most valiant men of Jabesh-Gilead, they geared up and they came over 
into this hostile territory where a victory emboldened Philistines would have been marching around with their heads all high. This is a very dangerous move for the men of Jabesh Gilead to make. They came into town and they took their bodies down and they gave Saul and his sons a proper burial because they wanted to honor Saul. Again, very dangerous thing for them to try to do. Uh, We need to understand why did the men of Jabesh Gilead come and do this? Because in 1 Samuel 11, back when Saul walked with the Lord, it talks about the Ammonites. They came to attack Jabesh Gilead. But the Lord came upon, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul very mightily, and Saul took an army over there and he killed the Ammonites. And so that that he did for them, they did not forget. So they gave Saul a proper burial to honor him, and now David was told about it. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I also will repay you this kindness because you have done this thing. Now therefore, let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. And so as a king here, David was able to give rewards to those who had done commendable work. That's what a king likes to do. Those who do important work that's good for the kingdom, the king will reward them for that because when a king rewards people for helping the kingdom out, it establishes very uh, strong friendship ties with those people. The king wanted friendship between those people and himself. This was friendship with the king. David is wisely strengthening his kingdom by giving these rewards to these people because he was showing favor to Jabesh Gilead for what they had done for Saul. Very important move here. They had remembered Saul for his kindness. Likewise, they'll now remember David for his kindness too because David is rewarding them for what they had done. And I like how David gave them assurance by telling them, your old king is gone, but I am now your new king. He says, I've been anointed. They anointed me. So he says, your old king is gone, but I'm the new king. And by my authority, I'll take care of you from here on out. Second Samuel 2 and 8. But Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. And he made him king over Gilead over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, and over all Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel, and he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah was seven years and six months. Okay, one thing about Abner here is he did not set up Ishbosheth as king out of just the goodness of his heart. Abner had a selfish motive of his own. He had a point to doing this. Abner already does not like David. And so he moved quickly to plant one of Saul's sons down as king. He he figured he needed that royal line of Saul's line that would strengthen the position. Now Ishbosheth was easy to manage. And so Abner's like, okay, this is perfect. I got a guy that's easy to manipulate. He's of Saul's line. I'm going to slap him in. Then we'll be good. I will have the kingdom. In effect, Abner wanted to be the ruler by controlling Ishbosheth. 
but this isn't going to work out all that great because actually the name Ishbosheth means man of shame, man of shame. Obviously, by this guy's name, you can tell he's probably easy to manipulate. He's easy to control. He's going to be a nice, easy puppet to play with here. And so, man of shame, Abner probably considered him easy, easy to move around. I'll, I get this guy, this kid, to do anything I want. David is coming into now this power play with Abner because Abner was trying to put himself in power over Israel. And you know, it's going to, this rivalry between him and David is going to turn up into a big fat mess. And friends, like I said, in the last episode is the last show is that when you have rage driven motives, but you're doing something to get back at somebody or to, to show somebody I'm better than you are, what it, it never works out good. It just doesn't work out. It never does. In fact, the Bible actually tells us in verse 10 that Ishbosheth, you know, as we read, he reigned for how long? Two years. It says two years. Whenever you read a biblical list of kings that reigned over Israel, you'll notice some oftentimes it talks about the runtime of their reign. Some of them ruled very short times, some ruled for very long times. And now look at verse 11, though. How long does it say that David's reign was? David reigned for Judah alone, it says. I mean, at this point in time, only Judah followed him, and he reigned there alone for uh, seven whole years. I want to show you the total count from 1 Kings 2.11 while we're on the subject. It says the period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years. So there's your total for David's entire reign. Ishbosheth, two years. David, 40 total. What does it say about the two guys? One lasts and one does not. When the Bible says that the man of shame lasted for only two years, it was the length of his reign, that means he was what you call a flash in the pan. He didn't. He just didn't last. Abner is setting himself up for trouble. First of all, it's against God's will. And secondly, it's against David, who David's very successful in in battle. But David reigned for 40 years. And we already know that the Lord was with David. So let's look at the dynamics here. I want you to look at the step back and let's look at a broad scope of what's going on here right now. David is king of Judah. And it was split off from the house of Saul at this point, with Abner trying to set up a separate kingdom in Israel, covering the rest of Israel. This is about to set up a war. One lonely tribe, Judah. You've got just one tribe, Judah, way over here. And you've got, uh, the, what did the list say? The, the rest of Israel, the, uh, the Asherites over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, over all Israel, it says, is what Abner and Ishbosheth are trying to set up. It looks like the scale is tipped pretty far one way, doesn't it? You got David, little old Judah, just Judah, against all the rest of the tribes. You know what this sounds like to me? This sounds like David and Goliath. It sounds like David and Goliath, doesn't it? You know, one small kid against a giant is kind of what it seems like in this broader picture scope if you look at it. Have you ever considered in this story that David is God's perfectly chosen man to win this kind of war. I think David's got this. He's already accustomed to stepping in when the odds look against him. God knows what he's doing. He always does. Second Samuel 2 and 12. 
Israel and Judah are at war. Now Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Mahanaim, I hope I say that right, to Gibeon, and Joab, the son of Zeriah, and the servants of David went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. So they sat down, one on one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. Then Abner said to Joab, Let the young men now arise and compete before us. And Joab said, Let them arise. So here we are at this confrontation between the two commanders. You got Ishbosheth's commander, Abner. David's commander is Joab. And the two commanders, they meet up to start off this battle, and they're about to start a fight match to determine which side gets the kingdom, uh, who takes the throne. Rather than everybody going to war, they chose their best. They got their very best, most elite 12 men from each side to battle it out in hand-to-hand combat. So you know this was going to be the fight of all fights here. I mean, I I think this was bigger than Rumble in the Jungle with Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman. I mean, this was going to be a big deal. This is a huge fight. And these 24 warriors there that are about to clash, I think they would have been super motivated to fight like a bunch of wild, rabid dogs to the bitter end because they know that the whole kingdom is supposed to ride on all this. And personally, I. Gosh, I wish I could have been there to see this. I mean, this would have been better than UFC. It probably made UFC look like patty cakes or something. <laughs> you can just hear the announcer, let's get ready to rumble. I mean, they're about to. Uh, they're about to really fight it out. In my left corner, fighting from the tribe of Benjamin, the Ishbosheth 12. And in the other corner, fighting for the tribe of Judah, it's David's dozen. Oh. This would have been great. I, I know, I'm trying to hype it up, and I, I really bite at it, but I'm doing my best. Let's move along. Second <laughs> Samuel 2 and 15. So they rose, and they went over by number, 12 from Benjamin, followers of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and 12 from the servants of David. And each one grasped his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in his opponent's side so that they fell down together. Therefore, the place was called the Field of Sharp Swords, which is in Gibeon. So there was a very fierce battle that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David. Oh my gosh, they just ran up in there, and it was like, grab them and stick them in the side, and they're gone. I mean, it says they fell together, guys. I mean, how bad is that? It's almost like, man, going to a a boxing match and it's over in like 30 seconds you were wanting 12 rounds out of this it's like gosh i wanted my money's worth and i didn't get it because <laughs> it says they fell down together it's like everybody they fell this was like uh grab stab and smack the slab man oh my gosh winner no contest but let me ask you a question was this was this victory because david's men were so good because that's what men typically do i won i'm better was it because of that was it because david's men were just so awesome or i think more likely so it was because david operated in accordance with god's will that's what did it that's what made the victory and because david walked in in the victory of the lord david's men did too friend i want to tell you messiah jesus won a great victory he has that victory, and if you'll walk in the Lord, walk in right, his righteousness, you will have victory as well. It rubs off, okay? It says that Abner's best, his very best 12, all fell down together. 
I have a feeling this fight was really, really quick. But how long did David fight with Goliath? Let's let's think back. How long did David and Goliath fight for a couple of days? Did they fight all day? No. It was like bang. He hit him with a rock and it was done. I mean, he went over and cut his head off. It was it, it didn't even take two minutes probably. It, it was like smack victory. This was the most embarrassing smackdown in military history between David and Goliath. But now this was an embarrassing smackdown for Abner and his 12. It was so one-sidedly significant that they named the location of this fight the Field of Sharp Swords so that nobody would ever forget what happened here. That's why they called it that, so nobody would forget. They would all remember the power of the Lord there for a very long time. Now, we know that this was supposed to be between just 24 men, and it was done and over with. But battles have a way of flaring up tempers, if you've happened to notice. I've seen kids get into a a fight over a basketball game. Imagine what wars do. It gets people upset. And so David, some of David's guys, they forgot the good influence of David that that they just won with, and they took off running after Abner and his men. Things are about to get really, really bad really quick. It's getting out of hand. 2 Samuel 2 and 18. Now the three sons of Zeruiah were there, Joab and Abishai and Azahel. And Azahel was as fleet of foot as a wild gazelle. So Azahel pursued Abner, and in going he did not turn to the right hand or to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Are you Azahel? And he answered, I am. And Abner said to him, Turn aside to your right hand or to your left, and lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. But Azahel would not turn aside from following him. So Abner said again to Azahel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? How then could I face your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore Abner struck him in the stomach with the blunt end of the spear, so that the spear came out of his back and he fell down there and died on the spot. So it was that as many as came to the place where Azahel fell down and died, stood still. Okay, Azahel, who is that? That's Joab's younger brother. Uh Uh-oh, you see where this is going real quick. So now that Abner killed Joab's brother, he didn't didn't want to. He warned him, but Azahel wouldn't stop. Uh, I kind of feel bad for Abner in a way because he tried to avoid this. But what do you think is going to happen now? Gas just got thrown on a fire, guys. It's going to go whoosh and get really big. Joab and another surviving brother of his, they're going to go out for revenge. That's what they want. First, it was just 24 men who were going to go settle the whole matter, but now things have got out of hand really, really quick. 2 Samuel 2 and 24. Joab and Abishai also pursued Abner. And the sun was going down when they came to the hill of Amma, which is before Gia by the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. Now the children of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit and took their stand on top of a hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be then until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brethren? And Joab said, As God lives, unless you had spoken, surely then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. So Joab blew a trumpet 
And all the people stood still and did not pursue Israel any more, nor did they fight any more. Then Abner and his men went on all that night through the plain, crossed over the Jordan, and went through all Bethron. And they came to Mahanaim. So Joab returned from pursuing Abner, and when he had gathered all the people together, there were missing of David's servants, nineteen men and Azahel. But the servants of David had struck down, of Benjamin and Abner's men, three hundred and sixty men who died. Then they took up Azahel and buried him in his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron at daybreak. Okay, so Joab and Abishai, they never caught up with Abner. They couldn't catch him before he got to the high ground to a unit of other Benjamites. In other words, he got to some reinforcements, and now they were outnumbered, and now they were never going to get him. And, you know, it's really too bad that it ended up like this, though, because as a hell, he never should have really, he never should have tried to take on a seasoned warrior of the caliber that, that Abner was. It, it was, it was going to be no match. He got too carried away. He should have waited for his brothers. If he really wanted to get them, they all should have got him together. But he got a little too quick, and it unfortunately cost him his life. But even still, David lost 20 men, but Abner lost 360. That's quite a one-sided victory again. But this was just the first battle of what's coming to be a very long, long war. Friends, David will become king. He's going to. Those of you that know the story, you know he's going to end up being king. But look at all the hindrances that are going on that's trying to stop the whole thing. The Lord told him, go anoint this guy king. He's going to be king of not just Judah. David is going to be king of all Israel. But right at this point where we are now, there's a big fight going on. How in the world is that ever going to happen? But right now it's not looking good because why? wickedness, the the enemy, Satan, he's trying to stop prophecy from becoming true because if Satan can make God out to be a liar or a failure that can't hold his promises together, then nobody will ever believe what God says when he makes a promise. When the Lord God says, I'm going to do something, friend, I want you to understand he does it. But you've got to look through history. Whenever God says he's going to do something, he does it. He actually does it. That's how you know you can trust God. People wonder, how do I know I can trust God? Because everybody lies to me. God never lies to you. He will always do what he says he's going to do. He is not a liar. He can hold up his promises, and he will get David to that throne. Just to show everybody, I can be trusted, the Lord says to us. I want to show you, though. Here in Second Samuel 3 and 1, it says, Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But, uh, here we go, but David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Okay, you see which way things are going here. God said, I'm going to get David in as king of all Israel. He's going to get there, and look at the way the scale's tipping, and it's slowly getting heavier for Abner, and David's going on up. David is going to make it to the throne of Israel, and just stay faithful to the Lord God. With the Lord, there is always an after this. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.